Help I Got a Mac, podcast episode number 12. This show is brought to you by listeners like you. Want to help support this show? Visit gspn.tv slash donate today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Help I Got a Mac. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And I'm Chris Biting. And we are here with a podcast devoted to the Mac switcher in mind. What does that mean, Chris, anyway? <laughs> if you're one of those enlightened few that uh, have just bought a Mac or you're just kind of thinking about getting one, uh, this podcast is, is here to kind of talk about new user stuff. Uh, we're not going to talk about going in a terminal and doing all sorts of crazy voodoo to make things work. We're gonna, it's pretty high level, but uh, you know, we're here just to talk about that kind of stuff. Very cool. And so if you know somebody that's just got a Mac, you want to tell them about our show. In fact, before we get started with today, because we have an excellent array of topics to discuss, and I'm very excited to talk about all the things that were announced at Macworld. Now, I realize there are some diehard Mac fans that are listening to our show right now, and they've probably heard everybody under the sun give their opinions on Macworld and all the announcements. However, However, you have not heard ours. In fact, <laughs> we haven't even discussed it yet. So this will be the first time that Chris and I discuss it. And, of course, everybody knows that Cliff will probably have some kind of unique uh, thought on something that maybe hasn't been discussed anywhere else. We're going to argue. It's going to be so much fun. Yes, we are <laughs> going to argue tonight. No, honestly, uh, we're looking forward to talking about that. Before we do, I just want to mention uh, that we open up the show each week saying that this, sh- this episode is sponsored by listeners like you and that you you can go to gspn.tv slash donate. If you, if, if, you are, if you feel that this show is a benefit to you, it helps you out in any way, and you would like to contribute towards helping us out, that's excellent. We would love for you to consider doing that. Uh, just go to gspn.tv slash donate. However, we want to put the call out. If you know somebody who would be an excellent sponsor for the Help I Got a Mac show, we are currently looking for a sponsor. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to say something else. Like, I okay, yeah, cool. the, no, but it, Chris, who do you think would be a good sponsor for Help? I got a Mac. <sighs> hmm. PC warehouse? No. <laughs> <laughs> the Zune. No. Uh, the Zune. Yeah. No. Anybody that that you know that has a website that um, web guy in the chat room saying Apple. Uh, there, there's not a big chance that they'll come along. But anybody who sells any kind of uh, third-party so- software for the Apple, I'll tell you somebody that would make a killing off of our audience uh, and, and I would think would be an excellent sponsor is there are some of these things, Chris, that, that uh, us PC users switching over to the Mac, just little standard things that we are so used to that mm-hmm. it, it's just unbelievable that it's not built into the operating system. And there's a shareware program out there, usually for 10 or 15 or 25 bucks or something like that, that really helps uh, solve that, that main issue. If you could imagine somebody like that, if you know somebody like that that sells a, a third-party application that is, that is rock solid and would love to advertise on our show, that'd be an excellent sponsor. Anybody else that you can think of? 
uh, par- I'd like to get Parallels. That'd be cool. Parallels would be a great sponsor for our show, uh, especially with with my perspective on the Mac. And uh, so if you know anybody else out there like that, anybody that, that maybe sells, um, there, there are some websites that you can buy like refurbished Macs or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mac Mall comes to mind, some other places. So if you have any connections to any of that, if you have any ideas, send, the, send an email to cliff at gspn.tv. I'd love to talk about that. And uh, please, uh, let, let's, let's talk about it. I think that would be awesome. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and talk about today's topic. And Chris, why don't you introduce and tell us what happened. Uh, what is, first of all, what is Macworld? Well, uh, Macworld is, like I said last week, is, it's basically like a, it's a convention for all things Macintosh. You know how you have CES and I uh, used to have Comdex. I don't know if Comdex is still around or not, but they're trade shows. Uh, for for technology and uh, MacWorld, it's open to anybody. Um, not just it's just not an industry show, but it's all Mac stuff, software, hardware, accessories, uh, and it's open to, to you know. There, there's they they do seminars where they give talks about podcasting and and using the Mac and advanced tips and programming and things like that. And uh, it's just really really cool. The the big highlight is. Um, Steve Jobs uh, gives the basic Mac Apple State of the Union uh, the keynote speech to kind of kick it off every year, and uh, this year was no exception. Uh, some of us uh, from uh, the show and and from the the GSPN uh, TV community all got together, and um, we did a live talk show of uh, of the keynote is it was happening it was, it was being live blogged by a lot of places and we kind of all got together and talked about it and discussed it and it was a lot of fun uh if you were if you were there you you know and if you weren't you missed it we'll do it next time yeah it, it was a lot of fun to to be talking about those things as they were coming out and and uh getting excited about some of it and like okay what are the details and we were guessing the details what which would follow and 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 so that was pretty interesting so with that let's go ahead and talk about the items one by one and and kind of break it down and and discuss our our opinions of what was released and 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 maybe wrap this show up with our opinions of what wasn't released and what wasn't talked about sure so uh let's go ahead and start off with item number one which is called time capsule can you explain to us what time capsule is Sure. Time Capsule is a companion product to uh, the new backup system that's in Leopard called Time Machine. And what Time Capsule does is it allows uh, people that have laptops and you have multiple computers in your house and things like that, you're not going to be lugging around a, a hard drive you know, to plug in and get your stuff synced up. Uh, what Time Capsule does is it combines an airport base station, you know, the Apple's wireless uh, access point, you know, the when you get wireless networking in your house, you, you can buy an airport. It combines that and a hard drive. So what you can do is you can back up your your data and stuff wirelessly to this time capsule device. And really, they, they offer two sizes. They offer a 500 gigabyte and a one terabyte. And really, the prices are pretty pretty spot on. To uh, it's not it's not kind of you're not paying the Apple. Uh, tariff that I think you would normally pay for a 500 gig, it's 299 dollars, and uh, for a terabyte, it's uh, 500 dollars or 499. And yeah, 
I, I think those prices are pretty good. I totally would agree with you. Uh, and, and if there's anything that I am almost excited about, I'm almost excited about this thing called Time Capsule. Now, one of the things I haven't done yet is I have not upgraded to Leopard. And so I don't have Time Machine, and so therefore I would not be taking advantage of the, the backup features. If I were to buy one of these, I think I would upgrade to Leopard. The one nice thing about this, and, and just in case you guys... Uh, missed it. In, in essence, this time capsule uh, would replace your wireless router in your house. So you, you figure, you know, your Linksys or your Belkin router that you paid 89 bucks for, or 129 bucks for, uh, and and all that thing does is it's a it's a it's a router. Now, d- does anybody know how many ports does this does this uh, time capsule does it have Ethernet ports in it as well? I'm actually trying to look up the tech specs right now to find out. Okay. Um, the interface, it's got a oh, one gigabit Ethernet WAN port for connecting to a DSLR cable modem, uh, three gigabit Ethernet LAN ports for connecting computers or network devices. Uh, it's got one USB port for connecting a USB printer or a USB external hard drive. And uh, it's got 802.11n wireless. So it looks like you can you can do a, quite a bit with it. That's amazing. Let, let's not glance over these too quickly here. So so right now, my wireless B router that I still have that is actually flaking out and I need to replace as soon as uh, the equipment um, uh, side of my budget balances out. Um, I noticed that I have three ports, three uh, Ethernet cables plugged into it. One, of course, would be my uh, Ethernet going from my DSL modem that I would need to plug into one of those. Uh, I also have my desktop computer that does all the um, all the functionality of my podcasting studio. That's plugged into an Ethernet point, port. And then I also have a network-ready printer that's plugged into the Ethernet. So I'm glad there are three because I need at minimum three of them. Of course, I guess I would only need two of them based upon what you just said. Did you say there's a USB uh, a port on there for you to be able to hook up a printer? Yeah, uh, for connecting a USB printer or an external hard drive. Okay, so it's one or the other. Mm-hmm. But either way, that that's awesome. So so you could so you could actually take any USB printer and make it a network printer. I wouldn't say any USB printer. Typically, in the past, uh, only a certain number of of USB printers worked with with the uh, airport base stations. Oh, okay. So I I, I wouldn't I, I would say most with an asterisk. So. Gotcha. Okay. So and then of course and the the nice thing is this is gigabit uh, connections here. So one gig per second. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's some lightning fast speed. That's both wireless and wired, one gigabit. And that is unbelievable. Is that correct? I would believe so, yeah. Okay, and it's so it is. Uh, 802.11n is the standard. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. I think my more than likely my desktop computer only has a card in it that's uh, 10 megabits per second. So what I could do is I could either get a new network interface card or I could just go out and get a wireless N uh, USB dongle and stick it on the back of there as well. Yep. And so that's one option there. And then uh, my MacBook, of course, uh, does 802.11bg and N. So that would definitely work on my MacBook. Now, um, I would assume that this thing will also work and be backwards compatible with uh, G and B wireless. Is that correct? 
It is. Now, the thing to, to keep in mind is typically on those routers, the slowest wireless connection you have is what the whole network is going to be. So if you have you know, all in devices, but then you throw one, one G on there, it's going to step down and, and do G only. Really? Yeah, that's kind of common for all of them. That's kind of a bummer, though. Yeah, it is. Because that, I mean, that would actually take away the, that would totally screw up the, um, uh, what am I saying? The advantage of having this hard hard drive based backup system because I have my MacBook. It would be have Leopard on it. It would have this time machine and using time capsule to incrementally back up my drive at all times. But simply because my wife is upstairs browsing the web and connected uh, with Twitter running all day long, therefore it's going to step down my backup down to a wireless B. Yeah, and that's just that's just how the standard is. It just steps down like that. Wow. Well, I, I guess, and of course, I'm going to have to start locking down my wireless system, seeing as how currently I, I, I have, uh, I think I, I, I looked at my, my log in my wireless B router here and my Linksys router. I looked at the uh, client table and I noticed I had 32 people in the last month sign on to my router. So <laughs> anyway, I'm going to have to stop serving the net. Anyway, um, so yeah, the, uh, and I, I guess that that's a that's one drawback here. I thought I was going to have this nice gigabit everything, and then all of a sudden, you know, of course, I don't, Stephanie's laptop's brand new, so it's probably got G in it. Yeah, and G's going to be plenty fast. You know, it's it's fifty four megabits a second in theory. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's pretty quick. So yeah, but being able to serve off uh, high definition movies would be really nice, and I wonder how the difference between G and N would be? They recommend at least G, so I think your mileage may vary gotcha. uh, dep- you know, depending on interference and things like that. If, you're, if your wireless access point is, you know, like mine is, is, is literally three feet away from like my TV, so if I had any wireless devices in my TV cabinet, it's not really going to cause much of an issue. Right. All right. So, um, well, gosh, kind of a bummer. I was I was looking forward to talking more about it, but now it's. But anyway, that's that's not a that's not a total killer there. Let's just hope that Stephanie's laptop upstairs is a G device. Now, what's the iPhone? I want to know. The iPhone is G. Okay. Okay. So the iPhone's not going to slow it down too much. All righty. Okay, well, okay, still not bad. Now, 299 if I went out to the store and bought a decent hard, um, external hard drive, 500 gigs, I would imagine a price of about 299 anyway. Yeah, that's the thing. I really think this is a good deal, considering that um, I think a, uh, the, the base station by itself, I believe, is 179 That Yeah, that was the next thing I was going to say. If I was to go out and get a wireless N router... Uh, I would I would think probably at least 150 180. So mm-hmm. so if you consider the fact that you know I'm in the market for a new wireless router and I'm in the market for uh, a sizable external hard drive, that when you put the two together for 299, it's a no brainer. Yeah. And, and to have a to have a terabyte uh, for 499, that that's pretty appealing too. Both of those prices are quite appealing. And so, uh, not a, not a bad idea. And it looks like you could throw, you know, if you if you have an extra hard drive and you get a cheap enclosure, a cheap USB two enclosure, you you can also throw another hard drive off the back of it, 
and have a network attached storage device too. Right. So, so here's the question for of the day here. Now, this built-in hard drive, am I going to be able to also use it um, as a network storage device for my PC? Yes, I do know it works on both uh, Macs and Windows, but I'm, not, I'm trying to find out as far as the, uh, the hard drive. And it doesn't say anything about that. Well, the only other thing I, I do know that they said is it, that it, we're, we're, when we're talking about this, it is, it, oh, they're saying yes, as long as you format it as FAT32. Yeah, my guess is it's going to just see it as a network attached storage, and it's going to ask you, do you want to use this as a time machine drive or as a standard drive or whatever? So I'm thinking what you could do is probably split the drive in half, use one half for time machine, use the other half for uh, you know whatever you want to use it for. Gotcha. So the other thing um, that I'll, I'll, I'll point out that was in the no, uh, announcement is that this is a server-grade hard drive. Now, I don't know if that's a marketing ploy of saying what it is, but I, just by the fact that they said server-grade hard drive, it, it seems to me like that's, it's just not your standard you know, cheap little you know, USB drive. It, this is a different kind of uh, hard drive. And I guess a uh, web guy in there, he's like, no, it'll actually be quieter and it'll run cooler than your normal hard drive yeah i i don't know <laughs> I, I don't know what to think about the hard the hard I'd see it's a say server grade hard drive who knows um this is probably a nicer hard drive well and, and hopefully it'll last longer and, and be more stable and stuff so the only the only the only thing I have a concern about is this whole idea of talking about you know this as a, a very nice backup solution that it doesn't solve the problem that if your house is in a fire you lose both the original and the backup no yeah yeah you're right so um, and if you want to get you know if you want to get a little crazier you can do there's plenty of uh, online backup solutions which are pr- gonna be pretty slow if you have a lot of data but you know what it's off-site so yeah oh, of course you know what you could do is you could uh, you could actually run a phone line for your DSL or a cable uh, line out there for your cable modem and put, you know, install all that in the shed, have that climate controlled, and do the wireless station <laughs> out there, and then you're set to go. I think that's going a little too far. <laughs> uh, technically, it's off-site, right? Sure. <laughs> sure. All right, let's move on. Uh, the next item... Uh, well, actually, I don't. I see that you're missing an item in here uh, in the show notes. What? If, let's talk about the iPod Touch first. Oh yeah, I did. I did kind of forget that, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, I'm looking at. Let's talk about that because there are sure. some people are really excited about it. Some people are kind of uh, upset about it. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, I, I, I obviously neither one of us have iPod Touches, right? You know, just to let people know. Uh, Steve announced it during the keynote that the iPod Touch is now in as far as the in, in, in the new box, you know, when you buy one new, it's gonna have the applications that the iPhone has, you know, uh weather and stocks and email and I think the other one was I can't remember what the other something one. Something else. <laughs> calendar or something. Um but yeah, it and if you don't, if you've already got an iPod touch, it's a twenty dollar upgrade for that. And a lot of people are pretty upset about that. Yeah, we before we uh, go any further, Andrea in our chat room uh, is requesting to talk. I'm going to bring her on the line, see what she has to say, so we don't actually say what she says. So, Andrea, go ahead. 
No, I was going to ditto what Chris just said about how people are upset. Like, I'm kind of upset myself because I'm like, just I feel like I got penalized because I was an early adopter. So, and it's, it's weird because if you look at my iPod Touch now, it has the firmware, like it has the 1.1.3. It just doesn't have the little funky thing where you, when you touch your, your, um, your menu buttons, they wiggle. Oh, you and don't have that. It won't do it unless I buy the upgrade. Oh. And it's like, every time I think my iPod, it has a little upgrading, it just makes me mad. I'm like not buying it out of principle. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thank- I'm like, come on, Uncle Steve. Why? <laughs> <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Are, have, were you always a Mac fan before you had that iPod Touch? Uh, I've, liked, well, I've been a Mac person since I've done graphic arts, and then since I got my first iPod, I've been in love. But I was very disappointed. Um, you know, so it's kind of like a reminiscence of what happened with the with the iPhones and dirty adopters getting burned with the price drop, you know. And a lot of people don't even know that you can get, you know, like a rebate on that now. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you for sharing, and and feel free anybody else to uh, call in and share your thoughts with us as well. Now, she that that brings up a, a very interesting point about this whole, you know, the the idea of these additional applications. That number one, uh, it was just simply ridiculous not to have those applications on the iPod Touch when it was announced, when it was launched, because it just it, it was just it was just ludicrous. ludicrous. Right. Um, and then all of a sudden, now they announced that they're going to make these available, but you have to pay $20. Now, let me ask you this. If you were to buy a brand new iPod Touch today, would it have these applications on them? That's a good question. I, I think that uh, and during it, the new user setup, I think it would, it would go ahead and, and download it for you. If, if you bought like a box that was kind of just sitting there for on the shelf for a while, I think it'll go ahead and update it via the software update. Okay. Uh, now, the reason I'm hearing that they did it this way is unlike the, uh, and we'll touch on the Apple TV and the iPhone in, in more depth in a minute, um, both the iPhone and the Apple TV are getting updates, and the iPhone already got an update, and they're not charging for those. And some of the reasoning behind that is Apple has reported the accounting for those in a 24-month period. And the iPod Touch is just like any other product. And the, re- the reason for that is something called Sarbanes-Oxley, where there's some kind of accounting law or something saying that you cannot, you can't, you can't add value to something that's already been accounted for in accounting or something like that. I'm not a lawyer, uh, and I'm going to make that uh, real clear that I don't know the law very well, but there's some kind of law where, where there's some accounting things where they can't, like, sell something and then later upgrade the features of it hmm. without charging for it or something. Now, why they're charging $20 and not nine ninety five dollars or $2 or something is beyond me. And um, it's the same thing when they charged, um, I think it was like $2 or $3 for the, uh, for the uh, 802.11n feature on the uh, MacBook Pro and MacBook a few uh, months ago. Right. Let me let me bring Andrea on one more time. She has something else she wants to add to this. I think she's answering our question of what. Yeah, Andrea, go ahead. Hi guys. I, well, I, see, I have another theory because you know how um, he, Steve Jobs also announced the opening up of of the SDK so people can create software for the iPod and for iPhones. I think that um, what he might be trying to do is just test out the servers for downloads of software. And since the iPod touches a, a small 
much smaller limited users. Um, it's a more way to con- it's a controlled way to test out the server with software, I think. Yeah, that I have heard I've heard a lot of speculation about different various reasons why they're charging uh and and i've 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 heard that one as well so that that is a good theory the only thing that that just doesn't make sense is that you would penalize people who have bought an ipod touch i mean these are people who you know they're all they were already penalized and felt left out in the cold without you know going out and buying this thing and then noticing it doesn't have the mail application and stuff like that and then to know that and and just so you know lots of people ch- chatted in the chat room that yes new ones are shipping with these applications and they're not paying the 20 bucks so man i tell you talk about a slap in the face especially for somebody who's a mac fan or, or and, and and for people who are not a mac fan how about these people you know the the ipod has always been what's known as the gateway drug for apple you know it, it, it's what you get before you drink the kool-aid and the idea being that you know you have such a great product in a great experience with the iPod that eventually people say you know what having you know having an Apple product here this feels so good I bet buying a, a laptop or a, a desktop computer from Apple might j- have just as nice of an experience and so let's go for it what I've got here now what we've got here now is people buying this this iPod touch and then pretty much being left out in the cold one way or the other yeah, I, I still think it's it's all part of the accounting. According to Daring Fireball, uh, which is a blog written by a former Apple employee, um, it says that uh, whether Apple's accounting for iPod Touch sales based on subscription basis like they are with the iPhone, Apple said that they're using a subscription-based accounting for the iPhone so as to be able to provide new features to iPhone users and future software updates free of charge. If iPod Touches aren't being accounted for similarly, uh, I suspect they won't be getting the same feature updates for, uh, or, or at least not free. So yeah. I, I, I understand it, that it could be an accounting issue um, where they're not it, doing that. And I, and I also could, could think that it's, it's getting people used to paying for applications, cons- making this like a, a, you know, like a platform. And I really think if people are, are that upset, uh, once the SDK comes out, you know what? People are going to be writing their own mail applications for the phone, I, for the phone and for the iPod Touch and stuff. So I think it's just a matter of time before we start seeing some free versions of this stuff come along. Yeah. Okay. So let, let's go ahead and uh, leave the iPod Touch behind and move over to the iPhone. Now the iPhone got a firmware update to one point one point three. Mm-hmm. Um, and before we go into that, we'll also mention that they did say that there is going to be a software developer kit in February. Now, for those of you who are not aware, software developer kit means that uh, people who build software are going to get a kit that will allow them to interface with the operating system of the iPhone so they can develop software for it. And that's going to be what it will give us some really amazing software on there. I'm really looking forward to, and especially with the caliper of people that are involved with the iPhone and just the the robustness of the operating system and the power that this thing has. Uh, I think there's going to be some awesome games. There's going to be some awesome, just a lot of great things that are going to come out of that. And Chris, why don't you just share with us before we talk about the the what 1.1.3 gave us? Why don't you tell us about su- just your experience when you jailbroke yours? 
uh, and the period of time when you had some third-party software in there. What did you have and what could you do? Man, it was really, really cool. First off, I felt I felt like a ninja for doing it, even though it was like really, really, really easy to do. <laughs> um, some of the cool stuff I had on it, though, uh, I had a, a neat little Twitter app that uh, ran all the time and, and gave me Twitter updates. I couldn't post to Twitter, but you know, I could read them. Uh, another one was a, a Nintendo emulator, which we probably won't see in the SDK, um, just because there's some legal issues with that. Uh, there was also a program that downloaded podcasts directly to the iPhone. <laughs> yeah, which we've talked about it needing in the past. Yeah, there was another one that allowed me to listen to internet radio stations too. That would be cool. And um, there was some instant messenger, um, and there were some games and stuff. There was one called Tap Tap Revolution, which was kind of like Guitar Hero um, for your iPhone. Let so me, uh, let me ask I, you: Was there any yeah. radio stations that would be playable over Edge Network? Like at a really low bit rate? There are. There's actually one that, that plays through a web interface um, through the edge, and it, it sounds okay. You have to have a really, really good edge connection to make it work, though. I gotcha. And it, and it doesn't sound really awesome, but they sound really, really good over Wi-Fi. Uh, well, but, I, I imagine if, like, what I'm thinking about is, like, man, what if one day GSPN had a 24-hour talk show or, or talk oh, radio yeah. station? That would be awesome. Yeah, it, it, the, the possibilities are endless. And the fact that people could do this without ever having a proper development platform is just amazing. Just, just knowing that these people, once the proper you know, SDK, which for people who don't know is a software development kit, uh, once they have those proper tools in place, the sky's the limit. This is, we're about to see a whole new world open up. This is, gonna be, this is a platform now. It's just not a phone. It's a development platform. This is awesome. I'm I'm looking forward to that. And uh, let's see here. Next up, we're going to talk about the iPhone 1.1.3 software upgrades that we got. All right. So we did get a couple of the um, updates to the iPhone. Now, before we talk about what we got, let's talk a little bit about what we were looking forward to or maybe what we were hoping for. Um, Do you have anything that you were hoping for? Well, I was hoping for some real applications uh, this time, you know, in, instead of getting uh, the updates. I, I wanted an iChat client proper. Yeah. That was, that was really the only thing I was, I was, I was wanting. Um, you know, we know the SDK is coming and all that stuff. I, I just wanted iChat to be added in this update. We didn't get it, sadly. Yeah. I wanted copy and paste, and we didn't get it. And I tell you what, I, I, every day I try to use my iPhone more and more, I find myself wishing I had copy and paste more and more. Uh, it, it's just something, I, you know, I'm not exactly sure what's the best way of of working that out, how you build that into the interface. But, I mean, people are smart enough over there. They could figure it out and do it. The fact that we don't have it yet is just crazy. And I thought for sure if they're going to upgrade anything, they're going to give us copy and paste functionality. Yeah, copy and paste like on a Windows mobile is really, really intuitive. You highlight the, believe it or not, I said uh, a Microsoft product's intuitive. I just heard um, that. <laughs> you that's that's going to be a sound bite. <laughs> <laughs> you highlight the line of text that you want, and then you basically put the stylus over the text and hold on to it. And it draws a little circle around your stylus. And then it, you know you're allowed to copy or paste or whatever you need to do. Yeah. And it's, it would be really easy to do that because there are times where I'm on the web and I need to 
copy and you know copy something and paste it you know into a text file or an email or something like that and man it's just the fact they can't do that it's just so annoying yeah the other thing that i think would be nice to have and and is to build something to where these notes that you have where they would sync up with your apple something oh yeah yeah it the fact that I can't sync into iCal or or mail is just is just silly. Or and, or or even if it was in you know they they created a little partition or something built into iTunes where it's like dude you store your notes here, uh, anything. I mean I, I just give me some place where I can just put notes back and forth onto my system and and have them backed up and and give me so it would be it would be so nice to be able to store a lot of technical data of you know here's a quick step two how to to do this and this and this and rather than type all that stuff on my iphone i'd love to be able to type it all up on my computer and then download it into my iphone on a note right well i think this this 1.1.3 man it's kind of confusing update has a lot of stuff that they're not pulling the trigger on yet yeah when I downloaded the update and installed it, you know, when Steve was talking, I was hitting refresh on my iTunes as soon as the keynote was over. Um, so I downloaded it, you know, right away and installed it. Yeah, there was a lot of the my. You know how when, and for people who don't know, when you plug your your iPhone into iTunes to, to sync it up and stuff, you see like a little bar graph, and if you have an iPod, you see it too. You know that that has like a blue line for music and a. Uh, yellow line for photos and a purple line for video. Well, there's an orange one for like just space, like take, you know, random used space. And when I updated my phone, I had 190 megs of this weird kind of space. And it's not really defined on what it is. I'm thinking there's some hidden stuff inside this 1.1.3 update for the upcoming, uh, you know, SDK that's coming out that, just hasn't been implemented yet, and I think they're just laying groundwork into this update. I got you. That makes sense. That makes sense. So let's go ahead and talk about the features that they did give us in the iPhone. Um, I don't have a breakdown right in front of me, but I'm sure we could we can run through them. One that I did find kind of cool, I didn't think it was cool until I actually got out and checked it out and played around with it, and that is the upgrade to the application known as Google Maps. Have you played with the location finder? Man, when it works well, it works scary good. Yeah. Like it knew I was on an intersection on Reed Hartman here in Cincinnati. It it knew exactly where I was. And what I found out, it uses a little bit of um it uses cell phone triangulation for one thing, but then it also uses Wi-Fi information to get even more accurate. And what happened was is there's there's these little cars that drive around and they're going, okay, you're on you know, Main Street in any town USA. And on Main Street in this certain location, there's six wireless access points, and here's their properties. So it puts that in a database. So when you're driving down Main Street in any town USA, and you hit that, that button in Google Maps to find out where you are, it goes to that service and goes, you know what, I see these, these wireless networks in this location. Where am I? And it's going to say, you're on... Boom, boom, boom on Main Street. Yeah, it, it it is it is very very nice. I was driving down Interstate seventy five, 
and I was clicking the button. And of course, it gives you this big circle and it says you're somewhere within this circle. Mm-hmm. And that circle is not hu- overly huge. I mean, it, 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 it here's the neat thing. If, if I was someplace out of town and I wanted to find out where I was and hit that, it's not going to tell me exactly what street I, I'm on most of the time, but it's going to give me a pretty clear indication. At least it's so much better than the, the thing where it's like, okay, the last time I used Google Maps, it was northern Kentucky, but here I am in Michigan. You know, Now I've got to scroll out. I've got to f- find a way to scoot into Michigan and, and draw. But now I can hit just the location and boom, it brings me to a, a, a good couple, mi- maybe a mile or two radius of where I'm at at the maximum. And yeah. and. and, and it really does hone it in and it's like okay from here i can see that this is where i want to go and so you can get on some main streets and get there which i think that is just really cool and i'd be willing to bet that in bigger cities like a bigger downtown you know a chicago or a san francisco or new york it's going to be really really accurate based on that wi-fi information you know if you're out in the middle of nowhere driving somewhere it's obviously got to use the cell phone towers and it's going to be a bigger radius but it really freaked me out when I hit that button and the, the circle it drew was very small and it zoomed way in to this intersection. Like it knew, it knew for a fact without a shadow of a doubt that I was at this intersection and, and I was. Yeah, the only thing I have is right now I don't, I don't turn my Wi-Fi on on my phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's be- just simply because of that problem I'm having with my wi- wireless router. Soon as soon as I log in and, and it logs back out and then tries to log in again, it, eventually it just shuts down all all Wi-Fi ability in our home it actually crashes the mo- the wireless router altogether, and even the Ethernet won't work. So I got to get me a new router. Yeah. Now another cool feature. Sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> another cool feature on the Gmail or um, the uh, the Google Maps is uh, now you can finally do a hybrid view where you can see the streets and the satellite image, which I kind of like a lot better. Than uh, than e- than either of the other views. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of nice to have that. I I always like showing people the satellite view when I'm showing them on the phone. It's like, oh, dude, that is cool, and so that kind of blows them away. So you can also put the little push push pins in uh, if you want to push pin like your house or or a store or wherever. Just so next time you have a visual representation anytime you go back into the uh, into the map. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, what else did they give us? Um, they give this. They gave us the functionality of rearranging uh, the icons. So, basically, what you do is you take and you hold down, hold your thumb or finger down on any of the icons for like three seconds, and they start to shiver. And once once they're there and they're vibrating, you can move those things around anywhere. Uh, that's pretty neat. I, I'm glad they gave us that. But at the same time, they also gave us the ability to do what, I mean, honestly, I just call it bookmarking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go into Safari, pull up a, a website, and you can add an icon to your main page on your um, on your iPhone. And, it's, and then basically, this icon is a shortcut to that website. And then you can even have it go to a certain section of that website. Not, I haven't found any good use for that yet. But anyway... The only thing I don't like right now is that I really enjoyed the look of the icons and how how fancy they look and, and how clear and crisp they are. 
And there are some websites that, that it'll choose, you know, the, the 75 by 75 graphic that people are smart enough to build into their things so that it looks nice on the iPhone. But half of these look like crud. They, they basically take a screen cap and that's your icon. And I think the only thing I wish they had was like some standardized web, you know, that you could click on there and change the icon with up to like 20 different icons or something. Well, I think we're going to see now that this feature is available, I think we're going to see more mainstream sites, you know, put that little graphic in, in their website now. Um, I know Gizmodo started doing it now because of this and, and Google obviously has it. I'm sure we're going to see, you know, like Dig and Engadget and stuff do this because of that. Yeah, the only th- yes, and and some folks are out there saying you can create your own for your own website, uh, and I probably will eventually do that uh, for mine. And uh, but I I need to get change my my uh, the favicon for my site anyway. But anyway, what I I I go to a lot of non-mainstream sites that I would that I like to bookmark, and I hate the fact that it's just going to give me that ugly looking thing and then i can't go to the email those folks and say hey will you put this on your on the uh, main directory of your site (laughs) so uh anyway but that's just a little pet peeve of mine and i would have thought that apple would have done something to give us the option to put some really fancy and nice looking default icons on there see i like the screenshot but that's just me well the screenshot looks great on some of them but i'm telling you some of them it's just ugly I mean, it, it, it really has uglied up the, the main page of my screen so much that my most useful sites, um, which just so you know, folks, uh, before you could only have, uh, what was it, two uh, by, what was it, two by four? So you had eight. Um, no, how many do you have on there? 16? Four by four. No, you have 16 <laughs> icons that you, you can have 16 icons on your main screen. And now you can have up to how many? Nine screens? Yeah. So you can have a lot of icons now. Uh, But all of my most useful sites that I have with this icon, I've moved them all to my secondary screen because they're so ugly. And and I only have my good-looking icons uh, on, on the main screen, which are not always my most used sites. So I don't know. Just a, just a little something I think about it. Yeah, I moved. Uh, I moved iTunes to the second screen. I'm check this out. I moved to the third screen. Stocks, iTunes, and Calendar. I moved them all off because I don't, <laughs> I don't ever use them. I, I use Stocks because I like to see how how bad my old company I used to work for is getting pounded. But you know, gotcha. So what else came on this? Uh, so we talked about that. We talked we we talked about Google Maps. We talked about the ability to change icons and the ability to put shortcuts right onto your iPhone's main screen. Anything else that we got? They uh, they did change the way Gmail works now. Um, if you set up like a new Gmail account on your phone. Oh yeah. Now it's set to IMAP, which is cool. Yeah, that's that's very good. So we 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 already had that functionality, like the ability to set up an IMAP, but now it's more user friendly and there's a nice GUI interface for for just the average person to be able to set that up. Right. So that's very good. Oh, and they changed it to where you can send an SMS message to more than one person. Is that something you would ever use? No. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Not really. So anyway, that so that that's pretty much sums up what they gave us in the iPhone update, isn't it? I yeah, I think I don't think there's anything else huge that uh, that we forgot. 
Gotcha. Well, I'll tell you what. We are at 43 minutes into this episode. We still have more to cover, but what we're going to do is go ahead and wrap up this episode, and we're going to bring you an extra special midweek episode of the Help I Got a Mac show. And so, uh, guys, we just want to say thank you for joining us for this episode of Help I Got a Mac. Uh, My name has been Cliff Ravenscraft. And I'm Chris Buddy. All night long, it's been that. It's It's really cool. I just changed my name to this. So he is now Chris Biting. And uh, we just uh, invite you to go to helpigotamac.com. Tell all your friends about us. And if you have questions, you can always call them in on our listener line at area code 859-795-4067. Tell some friends about us. Yes, please. 